1600, France was the world's central power. Matter of fact, France was so dominant, everybody had no choice but to look at France and respect everything they had done. Their culture was the best, and, and their money was the best, and everything about France was just absolutely amazing. And this was 1600, so this was after the Protestant Reformation, and the society had gone from the church being the center of society, so they start trying to figure out, then why do we exist? Why are we here, and why are we wired this way with science? And the scientific revolution brought, a, brought about a whole bunch of great things, a bunch of great ideas in which we still hold true today, and also some bad ones. You know, absolute monarchy came during out this time, and this is when the, the princes, this, this is when the king would separate completely from the states and make all the decisions completely by himself. Matter of fact, the king was so supreme, he didn't have to include anyone in his kingly decisions. The most famous, most famous of these absolute monarchs is King Louis XIV. King Louis XIV in France was so amazing that all he did was create spectacles. He had the largest buildings. He had the, 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 the most largest wardrobe. And matter of fact, he employed so many French workers inside his palace that each worker had one job. And when they would do this job, they were done for the rest of the day. Let me give you an example. King Louis XIV would get up, he would extend his right arm, and the Frenchman right here would put on his jacket on his right arm, and he was done for the day. Then he would extend his left arm, and this person would put on his left jacket. And then he would extend his right foot and somebody will put on his pants leg and his left foot and the same thing. This is where we get the expression. He puts on his pants one leg at a time just like I do because King Louis XIV did not put on his pants leg one leg at a time like us because he had people to do the work for him. King Louis did all these things just to prove to everybody that he was still on the throne. Well, my brothers and my sisters, we serve a God who also wants to prove to you that he is still on the throne, but he does not need to create any spectacles. He does not need to do any of these weird things. He does not need for you to sacrifice your life because Paul said he wants your living. We serve a God who is so amazingly wonderful that he does not need to create all these things because he is just that good. Psalms 93. When you read, well, let's just focus on the first three words of Psalm 93. It says, the Lord reigns. So for the times I was shared again, I want to speak with you on the subjects. All hail the king. You know, this is the end of the semester, and times are getting rough, aren't they? As a matter of fact, if you just like me, you've got about three more papers you need to write before the semester ends. And if it's not three, it's two. And if it's not two, it's four. And I'm praying for you because these papers and this time is getting so hard that people are missing one class just to make up for another class because they have a paper in the third class. Times are just getting so hard. And so we find out that we we getting so surmounted by we're so inundated by all this schoolwork that we are forgetting that God still reigns. We we're so consumed with the idea that we don't know what to do. We're so consumed with the fact that our our jobs are getting in the way and our school papers are getting in the way and final exams are getting in the way that we are forgetting to focus on the fact that God 
is still on the throne. And if you read right there in verse 1, you find out that the writer says that not only is he on the throne, but he is robed in majesty. And I like the way when he says that because a king should be robed. But this isn't just a regular robe. This is a robe that is defined as in with majesty. Because God is majestic. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree that God is so great that everything about him is majestic? And then the writer says that he, he's also armed with strength. He's armed with strength. Let me give you a picture of this armed with strength. A soldier is strong, but a soldier who has 100 soldiers behind him is armed with strength. Don't miss it. That's okay. A cop is strong, but a cop who has an entire police force behind him is armed. Well, my brothers and my sisters, you serve a God who is not only just strong, because he is, he is a definition of strength, but he is so great. He is so three in one that he can arm strength on top of strength and come back to strength because he is strength. And every time you go and get a problem, every time you have an essay that seems too long, you can realize that you serve a God who is so strong that he can arm himself with strength and get you out of any is there anybody in this building today you know that your life getting a little hard right now due to final exams but you serve a God who is not surprised by anything you serve a God who is not surprised by nothing at all and when you call on his name you find out that when you're weak he becomes strong and so right there and also right there in verse 2 you find out that, 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 that the writer poses another question. He says that God, everything that his throne was established before time. And I like that because it reminds me of Plato's five dialogues. Plato's five dialogues, he, he begins to talk about Socrates. And later on in this dialogue, Socrates begins to ask a question. He says, well, is it pious? Because, are the pious things pious because they're pious? Are they pious because the gods love them? And I like that question because this can be related to right here in the 21st century because is the church pious because it is the church? Or is it pious because God loves it? But let's bring that into here. Are you awesome because you made yourself? Or are you here and established because God loves you? Well, my brothers and sisters, if you're still wondering, God does not need you to exist. You need God to exist. Matter of fact, a songwriter said it is not we who made ourselves, but it's he who made us. Because we don't need, God does not need us. We need God because he is still on the throne. And if you read in verse 3, you find out that the writer says that the floods are lifting up against us. The floods are lifting against us. And in this particular, in this particular verse, the seas represent the, 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 the people and the violence and assault against God's government. You see, so the floods are rising up. He's saying, hey, God, I know you're on the throne, God. I can tell that you're on the throne. I can see that you're on the throne, but you don't understand. I got essays to write. I can see that you're on the throne, God, but you don't understand. I got people hating on me. God, I can see that you're on the throne, but I have a balance in school. I don't know how I'm enrolling next semester. But in verse 4, he says, well, I know that the, the seas are, well, God, you are mightier than any sea that it could ever possibly be. God, you are mightier than any wave. Is there anybody in this building? building today, you say, God, I know I've got some issues, but you are so mighty that any wave that comes in my direction, if I think it hard enough and pray to you, it will recede. God, if I just call on your name, any obstacle that comes in my direction, you can stand. God, you are so awesome that when my back is against the wall, you can find yourself and get some wiggle room. Because when you get inside my wiggle room, everybody has to back up and you can reach around and change my whole situation with just one word.
word. Is anybody in this building where your life has been down and trial, but you had one word from God for somebody who wouldn't even appreciate it. They just called you on the phone, spoke one word over your life, and everything went well? Because that's how good your God is. Because even when you are at your last, even when you are down to your worst, your God knows to send you one word, and everything will be all right because he is still on the throne. In the verse 5, we realize he said, well, well, and King James said that your statues, they last forever. And I, I like that. I like the fact that everything that God has already established cannot be void. Everything he's already established cannot be moved. That reminds me of this story. If, unless you're like me and you're subscribed to the uh, Atlantic Journal Constitution, you've missed the May 17, 1987 issue of a rock hound named Carl uh, Ketchup. You missed him because in this here, he was he, he lives in Andrews, North Carolina, and he was searching for these rocks. Now, he's not an expert, so but he always finds these rocks. He, he's good enough to know the rocks to sell, but he's not good enough to know how much the rocks are worth. So he finds this one rock, and he's trying to sell it, and he describes the rock as being purdy. You know, this is, this is North Carolina. They talk funny. He's purdy <laughs> and, and, and it's big. So he sees this rock, and he tries to sell this rock. He wants just $500 for it. He wants $500 to get this rock, but he, he tries to sell it with no success. So he puts the rock under his bed, and sometimes he puts it in the closet, but for the most part, it stays under his bed, and he doesn't sell the rock. And then one day, he picks the rock back up again, and he finds out that this rock that he was about to sell for his light bill just to be paid on, which was $200, he was going to sell this rock for just $200 if he could, $500 if he could really get it, was worth $2.75 million. Matter of fact, this rock is now known as the Star of David. It is the biggest blue sapphire on planet Earth. It's, it weighs about a pound, and it's worth $2.75 million. Now, I'm not telling you this because you need to know about this rock. What I am telling you is that God is so valuable inside of you that if you get to these perilous times and you hide your God in your closet, if you hide your God under your bed and you realize that you can't pass these essays, that's because you're hiding your God. But if you just expose him, let your little light shine like the hymn say, you will discover that your God is not only worth $2.75 million, but he's priceless. Amen.